Welcome back to the Fearless Podcast with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. If you're new to the show, welcome. We are a husband and wife filmmaking team on a mission to share hope in Christ around the world through feature films, documentaries, podcasting, books, and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved and take a stand for the things that matter to the Lord. Together, we are making a difference. And speaking of making a difference, so I just finished a book called Already Gone by Ken Ham and Britt Beamer, I think it is. And it's why your kids will quit church and what you can do to stop it. So mm-hmm. you and I, Mark, mm-hmm. welcome to the show, Mark. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so we've had several conversations about this since I started reading it. Mm-hmm. And it's been pretty fascinating because you've known Ken Ham for a while. Well, but, not personally. Well, yeah, <laughs> not personally, but but you've been introduced to his work. I was introduced to Ken Ham in high school. Right. And and like myself, I I just recently, um, not too long ago, became a fan of his work. He's the president and CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, and the Ark Encounter. Which is awesome. Which is so amazing. We visited the Ark last year and... <laughs> Oh, can't wait to go and visit the Creation Museum in the near future, especially with their new Fearfully and Wonderfully Made exhibit. Yeah. Oh, okay. We should do a whole episode on just our visit to the Ark. We should. Well, <laughs> and we should give a shout out, too, to their new streaming channel. Oh, yeah. Answers.tv. Answers TV. You can get it on your Roku and Google, Chromecast, oh, you guys, everything. We have, we have been loving, loving the Answers TV um, program and it, it it's answers in Genesis. It's mm-hmm. their streaming channel. There's a seven day free trial, and I think it's forty dollars for the year. Yeah, I think it's forty for I the mean, year. Come on, it's a bargain at twice the price. Right. So <laughs> cancel your Netflix. Cancel can, everything yeah, else. Yeah, we canceled Netflix obviously a while ago. <laughs> a while ago. Mm-hmm. Answers TV. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. You get everything. Everything that they, because, you know, at the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, they constantly have conferences. Oh, yeah. And they have, you know, guest speakers and all of that is recorded and produced and like all of that is on that channel. And if you're like us, we are lifetime learners. We love to listen to people and learn. And so, <laughs> so it's been really fascinating and, you know, and, and wonderful to hear. And I love to listen to Keen Haim. Yeah. Well, it's all biblically based. I mean, we need so much more these Keen days. Hand. Okay, so anyway, so back He's to the book. Speak proper Australian. Yeah, right? <laughs> so back to the book, already gone. So I really wanted to talk about this book, and I thought it was a fascinating read. Um, but there were several aspects of their research that gave more insight Um you're able to give more insight of what it's like growing up in a solid Christian home and myself just the opposite. So let me just read a quick snippet from the back cover. If you look around in your church today, two thirds of the young people who are sitting among us have already left in their hearts. Soon they will be gone for good. So the book is based on views of a thousand twenty somethings. Um, solidly raised in the church, but are no longer attending, and and the reasons why. So the study of these one thousand adult young adults found that church is losing kids in elementary, middle, and high school rather than college, like most people believed. 
And and when they said that Sunday school syndrome is contributing to the epidemic rather than helping alleviate it, I was intrigued. We have elementary school children Mm -hmm. who will soon be middle school age children. So it's like, okay, all hands on deck. What's going on? Right. (laughs) So so you and I have talked about a few things. So what what did you think of sort of so if we break down the Sunday school syndrome? Mm hmm. Just briefly. So my understanding after reading the book is we're not teaching apologetics. And so we're not teaching kids to stand firmly in scripture. Everything goes back to scripture. You know, now we have it's more like story time. Right. And so and a story is like a fairy tale. So kids are growing up in the church, not relating scripture to today's world And so there's a disconnect and we've got, well, and let's just think of secularism. We've got millions of millions and billions of years that we, (laughs) that we're constantly told there's the, the gap theory, you know, so six literal days of creation is out the window. Yeah. So, you know, my growing up years, I went to a Christian school and also to the church that operated the school. Mm -hmm. And so I got five days a week, I got Bible, you know, I knew all the answers. And then Sunday we would go to, you know, two services plus Sunday night service. And then a lot of times Wednesday night service as well. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but, um, what, what it means to a kid growing up is that you learn you're very well versed in the scriptures you're very well versed in the bible that's a good thing Mm -hmm. but um but it's not necessarily teaching a child they know the right answers Mm -hmm. but they don't know why they're the right answers right and so and as we as we talk here we'll we can talk more about that but it it when it starts to manifest itself is in the junior high and then up into high school years when you start making these life-altering decisions as a young adult. And if you don't have a solid understanding of, well, yeah, I know you tell me to trust Jesus, but I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I should trust Jesus. What does that even mean to me trying to decide if I should ask this girl to the prom, right? That's that's the kind of decisions that you're faced with, you know, coupled with what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Are you going to go to college? I mean, all these things and trying to frame it in in the context of of all the things you've learned about Scripture, um, it it relevance is a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think, too, uh, one of the big one of the big issues because really the book it could be broke up into two different groups of of um of who they surveyed so the first group are those who never come during christmas and easter and don't plan on coming back when they have their own kids this group has serious doubts about the relevancy of scripture and then on the flip side of that you've got the second group who have come they they come during christmas and easter and they said that they would likely come after they have kids. 
So they believe they know all of the truth and all of the scripture, just like just like you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. But they find the church to be irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad about that. I I really It's not and it's it's not just that that they find it irrelevant. Um, because that's a that's a really broad term. And so in my case, it wasn't so much that I felt like it was irrelevant. It was that I felt irrelevant. I didn't fit in with my peer group from a very early age. Mm-hmm. I, the last time I remember really feeling like I was like I sort of fit into my Sunday school class, if you will, was it in about end of sixth grade. And I didn't after that, I really didn't want to be in class because I didn't want to go to Sunday school Mm -hmm. because I didn't fit in with the way that they were trying to be relevant, Mm -hmm. the way that the youth group was trying to be relevant to kids my age was, well, we know that kids your age like to play sports and you like to do this and you like to do that. And therefore we're going to be hipsters and we're going to do this fun stuff. Well, and it's one of the things that they, that they talk about in the book. And, and one of the things of how, and and I'm not trying to throw the church under the bus. I think Mm -hmm. everybody's just trying to do what they think is right in a way to reach these kids. But it was interesting when they surveyed them and they asked what is it, especially the ones who said that they, when they come to Easter or Christmas or that they would come back when they have kids, why would you come back? 1% of them said it was because of the entertainment purposes. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause he said 1% of, of music is what draws people Yeah, out of a thousand people. Only 1% said it's the music. And I think so much, and you can see it. I mean, I have read article after article after article about, you know, especially music. It's such a hot topic in church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were talking about the, um, just the, the extracurricular activities, like you were just talking about and how that's, that's, good, but it's not teaching them apologetics and it's not relating the word to the world in which we live in. Right. There's the, it, and I agree with you that I don't want to, I don't want to throw every youth pastor, every pastor, I every church. I, I don't, I don't want to throw them all under the bus, but what I want to caution them on is the one size fits all approach. Right. And you're listening to someone who fell through the cracks and I was, I was one that they would not have predicted would have fallen through the cracks Yeah, because I was a well-behaved student. I was a straight A student and I, you know, I was well-behaved. I wasn't <laughs> salutatorian. getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I was a salutatorian in my class, but That's socially, <laughs> but socially I did not fit in. I was very awkward, especially in that junior high. That's really where it started for me. Yeah. And, um, I didn't, I just didn't want anything to do with the standard, what everybody thought was cool, uh, you know, cool activity. So I didn't want to go on retreats. I didn't want to do, you know, go to summer camp where we're going to, you know, do 
you know, swimming and things like that. I, that was just not me. I didn't want to do that. I was very introverted. Mm-hmm. And what it ended up doing was it, I had a keen interest in filmmaking and television production. And fortunately, there was an outlet for me in the church, in the TV program that our church had and still has. And so in that age range, when I was about 14, um, there was, there was a struggle because mom and dad really, you know, it was, they wanted me to be, to go to church and, and I had to, it's kind of, you know, you're required to be there in one form or another. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I found that I said, well, how about if I, you know, could I go and volunteer to be part of the TV program? And that was kind of my out. Yeah. The good news is that that not only, not only kept me in the, in the church, it, that became my, my Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. Those people became my mentors mm-hmm. and I was there. I wasn't just at church. I was participating and I was listening intently to the preaching twice mm-hmm. every Sunday because we would <laughs> right. record two sermons and right. I was a camera operator and I'm paying really close attention. So I was getting a full dose of it. Double dose. Double dose. But I didn't, I, I, it gave me an excuse to have nothing to do with the youth group. Yeah. And so I would just caution pastors and youth group pastors, you have to, you have to watch. And this is just a skill set that some people have and a lot of people don't to be able to observe kids, yeah, observe people and read them for what they're what they're telling you by what they're not saying. Their body language. Their body language, mm-hmm. their mannerisms, yep. the way they dress, things like that. Um, and and the fact that maybe they don't show up for stuff mm-hmm. um, tells you a lot. And so I was that kid. I, 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 I just didn't, I didn't fit in because I was not an athlete mm-hmm. and I wasn't comfortable around girls and I was happier. Awkward. I was happier, you know, sitting in the back running the soundboard, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So. Well, and, and I was, I'm, I'm really glad because in the book they outlined sort of like this four pronged approach to curbing the exodus and really it's parents, Christian educators, youth pastors and pastors, because we all have a role to play in this solution you know, just like we're all one body in many parts. We're all equipped differently to mm-hmm. to handle different facets of of our of our children's journey. You know, we have other people who partner with us in that, thankfully, you know, with our church and in our school. Um, but to the parents, they said that's where that's where we are. Like in, in Psalm one twenty eight three, your children will be olive shoots around your table. Well, like olive shoots, as as the olive tree ages, the younger shoots sprout up and grow around it. And it's like they're ready to take the place. So we're training up our children to take our place in this world. You know, and they have to be firmly rooted in, in scripture and in, in biblical worldview. Oh, I don't know. I, I just I get so I've been so sort of I don't want to say anxious, but just just so burdened for the youth of today. Mm-hmm. You just see it. I mean, I think especially because we've been doing the mind, like started on the mind polluters and it's all about the corruption in the school. 
and and what they're teaching our kids. It's, you know, we have to realize that we do not live in a Christian world anymore. This is a post-Christian world. Mm-hmm. Post-Christian society that we yeah. live in. You know, if you if you've read, uh, some of you may have read um, the companion book to Inwood Drive. the 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 second to last chapter tells this story of uh, when I was doing an interview f- about Inwood Drive, and I was challenged right off the bat of, over my faith by this reporter from this Chicago news station. And what I talk about in here is how uh, when I was in high school, I had one of the best teachers that I've ever had. His name's Tom Cashin. And one of the things that he did for us as students was he taught us to think critically, Mm -hmm. to think things through before we would answer. So he was my Bible teacher for at least two years. He was also my Spanish teacher. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time observing and learning from Tom Cashin. And he he did two things that were critical to my development uh, as a man and, and in my career. Number one, he taught me to think critically. And number two, he introduced me to the films of Dr. Francis Schaeffer. Oh, yeah. The How Should We Then Live mm-hmm. series and his books. And I had this moment where in my mid-40s then this all came back where this reporter challenged me and basically accused me the first question out of his mouth. So the, this was after the, the, all of the dead babies had been discovered in Klopfer's garage. And these, this reporter came down because suddenly everybody realized that we were the only ones that had ever talked to Klopfer. Right. And he wanted to talk to us. And the first question he asked was essentially, uh, don't you think that because of your Christian faith, you're biased? <laughs> and I thought, I, and that was basically it. And I thought, well, are you kidding me that this is, this is your first question? Okay, fine. And it all came flooding back to me that Tom Cashin had taught us to think these things through, to be ready to give an answer. Right. And the answer I gave was. Or is it in first Peter, be it, ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Yeah. And yeah. I said, essentially I said, what you call bias, I call worldview. Everybody has a worldview based on how you grew up and, and who your friends are. And, and, you know, these are all things that predispose you to thinking one way or the other. Because I'm a Christian, that gave me the worldview to believe that this is a story worth telling, which is why we're here, isn't it? <laughs> which and is why they came all the way down from Chicago. Right. And it, you could tell it just totally <laughs> deflated his argument. But my point in this is that this is one of the things that I, that I fortunately got from from my Christian school upbringing, but I never would have gotten that in youth group mm-hmm. because in youth group they never they never went very deep with anything mm-hmm. because it was all about sports and being cool and playing guitar and you know just whatever was cool to the youth group leader, whatever the youth pastor's thing was that's what we're all gonna do right and so me being an example of one of the guys one of the kids who slipped through the cracks fortunately the lord preserved that 
learning mm-hmm. in, in another form, but I rejected the youth group completely, and I rejected the church. Well, it's listen, it's it's not, and and not to beat up on youth group because it's not just youth group. Right. I mean, it's home because one of the things they do they do talk about in the book. You know, they say there was a great quote and I highlighted it. It said, Christianity is contagious, but children won't catch it unless the parents are infected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our first priority as parents is to live out the word in a natural and sincere way. Mm -hmm. I mean, our kids are watching, you know, and and our, our biggest ministry is around our kitchen table, our olive shoots who we're training up, you know, they're the biggest mission field we have. And that absolutely is what ultimately anchored me and brought me back to, to Christ later in life when we met, but Mm -hmm. also because of the, the constant example that I had from my mom and dad and the, the consistency of their, testimony to me mm-hmm. because when when I had started to reap the consequences of all of the terrible, terrible life decisions that I had made, and you have that moment where you look in the mirror and say, why is my life so awful? Why is everything falling apart? I, my life wasn't supposed to turn out this way. Mm-hmm. And you realize that there are differences in your life because you made different decisions than other people like mom and dad right and they were that example that was always there and always consistent well i think in in always having the authority of scripture yeah you know because that's that's another big thing uh through the book that they talk about is how we've so dumbed down and make um, little excuses for things here and there. And, you know, scripture no longer is, has the authority in our lives. Mm-hmm. I, and you talk about the, the gap theory and evolution and all that. And oh, I mean, yeah. and I, when, when I was in Christian high school, we studied what evolution was and what, what it taught so that we could understand mm-hmm. what, the rest of the world, you know, was thinking and try to understand why they were thinking it. So I understood it. We didn't study it as, you know, well, if you don't believe the Bible, then here's another theory to believe that that's not how it was ever presented. But even with all of that growing up pre K through 12 and church every day and every, every week. And yet it didn't take more than you know, maybe six to nine months out of high school and out of that constant environment and and first going into a secular university setting. And I started trying to hybridize my worldview with what everybody else around me mm-hmm. believed. And so I kind of fell into, not for very long, but I fell into that day age theory kind of thing. Well, maybe each day is a million years, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I I was trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a whole other discussion (laughs) probably (laughs) there, but I, I'm, I was an example of one that it was coupled with the fact that I really detached from the church as soon as high school was over Mm -hmm. and I didn't have that that anchor anymore. I think you could have been a part of the survey. I, I think. probably should have been. Yeah. 
because, and it also was once I was not living under mom and dad's roof, mm-hmm. then now I'm making my own decisions and boy, you just go, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, that's, that's dumb. Why, you know? Well, so I but, stopped going. Right. But well, but I, I you know, I, the thing is I, I was encouraged at the end because I think we see the problems every day and the only answer is Christ and the wisdom through the word of God and having a strong biblical foundation. Anything else you want to add? I think it just, it comes down to, you know, because we're, we're still in a situation with our church and our children where there's, it's, we still haven't really been able to all go back as a family. Oh, COVID has made a whole new dynamic about church. Right. I mean, church is open. I can't even. (laughs) Church is open, but, you know, like we usually would go to class first hour and there's not anything for the kids first hour, (laughs) that second hour. And so anyway, and we, I like it. It's a challenging season. It's a a challenging season, but you know what? Hey, we all learn to step up as parents and be homeschool parents, Mm -hmm. right? And teach them math and reading and spelling. We probably all should have been doing that a long time ago. We probably should have. I'm just saying. But you know what? If we can do that, then parents, it's time to step up and be homeschool parents and teach your kids apologetics. Yeah. Teach your kids about the scripture. Don't just read them a Bible story. Sit and read the scripture. Start in Genesis. Yeah. And read as a family and start actually reading. If You know what? And if because you read. We have, you know, and, and our kids are different ages. We've got 10, 8, and 2. Mm-hmm. And we have all sat together as a family. We read scripture. We They ask questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's been a really sweet time. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I, I look back and I think, why haven't we been doing this all along? I mean. Yeah, we've we've said that very much, very often. Why haven't we been doing this all along? Because you realize when you're doing that and you read the scriptures and you realize what the Bible commands us as parents. Mm-hmm. Parents, this is our job is mm-hmm. to teach our children. And it starts with teaching them the truth of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to do it, then that's a failure of your parenting role. Yeah. It's it's our job to teach this. So it has to start at home. That's right. Well, thank you for listening <laughs> to us today. Um so yeah, it's, it was we just we just went through very briefly sort of the book already gone. I will leave a link to the book in our show notes and if you've already read the book, I would love to hear your thoughts. Send me an email at markandamber at fearlessfeatures.org. And just a quick announcement, we have a fun book signing event coming up soon. We'd love to see you November 4th, if you're local, from 6 to 8 p.m. Get all the details at fearlessfeatures.org. Friends, shine your light for all the world to see. Have a wonderfully blessed week, and you matter, and you are making a difference in this world. 